0: There was a point in New York City from about the early 1930s to the late 1950s where just about everyone was in on the same inside joke. It was a bit of slang when you'd say something like, I pulled a crater or you're pulling a crater. It means you vanished. Today we'd swap out crater with something like the term ghosted. As in, you met someone on Tinder, didn't think much about them, and you ghosted, you vanished, no trace, no way to get in touch, you were gone, pulling a Crater. Only thing about that, Crater isn't just a slang term, he was a well-known man. Judge Joseph Crater. By 1930, he had it all, a seat on the New York State Supreme Court, a position of power, of influence, and importance. Until that night, August 3rd, 1930. Judge Crater went to dinner with friends and walked out into the unknown, never heard from again. A disappearance resulting in one of the largest investigations in the city, really in the country at the time. So much so, it earned Crater the title of Missingest Man in New York. He vanished. A ghost. I'm Dan Bowens, and you are listening to The Tape Room, a podcast on the Fox 5 Podcast Network. Here, we take a look back at some of the tri-state area's unsolved and infamous crimes. On this episode, the missingest man in New York, the curious case of Judge Crater. At one point, it was the most famous cold case in the country, and certainly in New York. This is 1930, the year after the height of the Great Depression. The stock market crashed. Things are bad. 25% of the country is unemployed. Crime is awful. These are mob days, what the media at the time called murder incorporated. Corruption is rampant. Judge Crater was appointed by then New York State Governor Franklin Roosevelt. Yes, FDR, the iconic president. Crater was selected over a choice from the powerful and corrupt Tammany Hall wing of New York City politics. As the story goes, Crater may have himself paid off the Tammany political machine to make it happen. Some believe Crater vanished because he needed to leave town, left his family and moved away without a trace to escape danger. Others believe he died inside his favorite brothel and the head madam who had an inn with the local mob boss May have called to get rid of his body. And still others think his final resting place is literally with the fishes, buried beneath what is now the Brooklyn Aquarium out on Coney Island in Brooklyn. It's this final theory that we're exploring today, and the letter that piqued the interest of the NYPD about this possibility way back in 2005. Our conversation now with veteran New York Post crime reporter Larry Salona. Hey, Larry, sorry about that. Dan Bowens? How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, um, so, Larry, the, f- the first thing, can, Larry, can you just say your first and your last name, where you work, and what kind of stuff you typically write about?
1: Okay, my name is Larry Salona. I'm a police reporter for the New York Post. I've been for the last 26 years and cover all major crimes that happen in and around New York City.
0: And this case that we're talking about, do you remember how this came across your desk? Did you which, did you receive uh, contact from Barbara? Do you remember how this one came across your desk?
1: I received, uh, you know, a tip you know, from a, a you know, police source that I had who told me that the cold case was, you know, had started working on this case.
0: And it turns out that this case, I don't know how familiar with it you were beforehand, but... This case is one of, or if not the oldest missing persons case, in New York City history.
1: Uh, I was familiar with uh, the phrase Judge Crater being missing. I didn't realize it was the oldest case at the time, but uh, I found that out subsequently. But I was familiar uh, again with the you know the old phrase or the trope, you know Judge Crater missing, you know somebody going missing or whatever, disappearing.
0: And what do we know about the basics of who Judge Crater was? I mean, this is, we're talking about the 1920s. We're talking about the old sort of machine of, of politics back in the, the history of the city. What do we know about who Judge Crater was?
1: Yeah, he was a, uh, a character during the roaring 20s. Uh, he was actually appointed uh, to the Supreme Court by then Governor uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who later became, obviously, president. But, uh, and he was a man about town, he lived on Fifth Day Avenue, uh, and had, uh, a wife and, you know, whatever his, uh, like had a summer home, uh, where he vacationed up in Maine. So he was living, uh, you know, pretty high on the hog, uh, for the,
0: for the 1920s. He was a big fish in the city.
1: He was a big fish, you know, he hung out in all these places, he dressed, uh, a, a gaffer dresser, uh, you know, he's well-dressed, uh... Even uh, I think the last time he was seen, he was uh, in a pink stripe suit and wearing a Panama hat. You know, stats. Uh, yeah, he was uh, what they would call back then a the bon or whatever. But uh, he was, uh, yeah, he was definitely a man about town.
0: And he was an actual judge, though, right? I mean, he was a judge who who was involved in. Yeah, he was a judge. He was a
1: judge in the uh, you know state supreme
0: court. Yes. Yeah. And all of a sudden. He is known for some of the things that you talked about Maybe affiliation with uh, showgirls and, and he's sort of linked to the, the Tammany Hall machine of government way back then And one night, he vanishes
1: Yes, he was at uh, a, a well-known, uh, they called it, you know, Chop House back then But I guess we call it a safe house now today Over on West 45th Street Uh, he's with a couple of friends, uh, he tells them he was going to go in to go to the theater and he jumps in a cab and, uh, he's never seen or heard from again.
0: And that wasn't something that went unnoticed. I mean, he's a, a a big time sort of person involved in all different kinds of the happenings in the city at the time. What what sort of happens then? I mean, there's a there's a big police investigation. I mean, what what do we know about sort of what what happened in the aftermath well, of that?
1: Well, well, there was a you know a police investigation, uh, and you, you know, you laugh now. You say that back then they offered a five thousand dollars reward, but you know, five thousand dollars was a lot of money in nineteen thirty. You know, so they put that out. I think at the time, or I read somewhere, you know, this, uh that uh, detectives received more than 16,000 tips uh, from around the world—not even the city or the, the United States—from all over the world on, you know, some kind of tips where he was or what happened. Uh, and I don't know—I don't know if detectives uh, looked into all 16,000, but uh, you know, that was a lot of tips, you know. And by
0: 1939, I mean he's never found. They have declared him dead. Uh, in The article you wrote. I mean, it turns out he's missing persons file number thirteen five nine five, but that's a number. But then he he sort of weaves his way into pop culture just because of the way people referred to him. I mean, it was it was. How did they how did they refer to him? Well,
1: I, I mean, some of the things that they said was like if somebody would uh, disappeared, you know, he pulled a crate or you know somebody just disappeared uh, one day or. Uh, he was. I think he even showed up in a couple of. Uh, uh, there was a TV show Dick Van Dyke with eight made a reference to him. Um, so he, he just became a, a man, and you know, uh, that was referred to you know in various ways. He's like a punchline. Uh, you know, um, I think Mad Magazine did a cartoon about him uh, with Lassie. Uh, you know, finding the judge, you know, digging digging him up. Uh, you know, People sometimes would uh, make a joke and say Judge Crater. Call your office. Um, and Dick Van Dyke, they made a reference uh, that it was a Judge Crater. But then the, the person made a reference that he spelled it differently. Uh, so there was various references throughout
0: uh, over time. Throughout the, uh, yeah, so yeah. So if you yeah. if you pull, if you pulled a crater, you'd you'd vanished without a trace.
1: Yes. Yes. You just disappeared. Sort of. He was sort of like the, uh, before Jimmy Hopper. You know, he was the famous person who disappeared and never heard from
0: again. And do, do we know, I mean, he was he was sort of at the fringes of corruption, right? I mean, he there, there may have been a reason why he would have vanished as opposed to just well, a... There, there were there were a lot of theories back in
1: the day that he was involved. You know, like the said that he ran off with a showgirl, that he, uh... He, you know, he was involved with Tammy Hall, which was, uh so corrupt, you know, and they were afraid that he might have, uh, testified against, them. Um, uh, there's other stories that, uh, you know, he owed somebody money, uh, uh there's a talk that uh, a famous gangster back then was, uh, uh, like Simon, that he might have been involved uh, in his death, um, there's places that he might have been killed up in Albany, um, uh, of theories, uh, as in, like, any, uh, well-known murder, uh, but, uh, like, just the most, most recently, last week, we had a market, uh, you know, in Staten Island two weeks ago, and there were a lot of theories before they made the actual arrest, it turned out none of, the, none of those theories
0: were true. A hundred percent, yeah, you're talking about the, uh, the, the head of the yeah. Gambino crime family who was, uh... Um, yeah, yeah, Frank, Frank Cowley,
1: and it was all theories before they finally made the arrest two days later. Yep. So, uh... So you imagine? And that was two days later, they made arrest. So, imagine, like, they haven't made an arrest in uh, over, you know, 80 years. So, imagine the theories going around about that. And so, no one's talking about
0: that today. And by 79, uh, the case is officially closed, uh, officially declared dead. Um, I guess he was declared dead in 39, but the case officially closed in 79. But then yeah. in the uh, the early 2000s, 2005, there's this mysterious letter that sort of comes across the desk of some NYPD detectives. What do we know about that?
1: Well, yes. Uh, so what happens was in, in 2005, uh, uh, a 91-year-old woman from Queens uh, uh her uh leaves behind a, a note uh saying that uh basically saying that her husband and two other people were responsible for the death of judge Crater. and um i guess her family opened up the uh letter and they saw that they had to do a little uh research to find out who judge Crater was and all and then uh i guess they forwarded it to the police uh, and, and the police, you know, started to look into
0: it. And the letter says, uh, "Do not open until my death." This uh, old old yeah. lady, and 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 in the letter, uh, the woman claims that it was her late husband who who was responsible. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah.
1: She said that her husband and two other people, one uh, a former cop and his, and the cop's brother, who was a cab driver, are responsible for Judge uh, Brady's death.
0: And what did they say? What what, what does she claim happened?
1: Uh, she said that he was uh, that he was uh, killed uh, and he was buried in Coney Island under the uh, boardwalk near the uh, aquarium. Um, and, and the thing that makes it even a little more uh, suspect, or uh, is that the cop that is mentioned was also mentioned in another infamous New York case. Uh, where uh, murder incorporated uh, a uh, Kid twist relis was uh, well, he died allegedly from uh, committing suicide, but this officer uh, Charles burns, he was assigned to uh, bodyguard him, so people always suspect about that how he was able to uh, you know commit suicide. Uh, so you know burns had a uh, a checkered uh, history in the police department already before this
0: mention. So here we have one of the most infamous cases, crimes in the history of New York City, a letter f- that's mysterious and a claim that is very, you know, New York corruption central that someone is buried beneath the Coney Island Aquarium. I, I mean, I imagine that cops and detectives get all kinds of crazy theories, but Apparently they took this one pretty seriously. Well, they
1: took it seriously. I mean they uh and, and, and wasn't well, ironically, but I, I think they had uh done it uh, when they were building the aquarium they had found uh some remains of bodies there. Uh not even knowing anything about the Judge Crater uh theory, you know, mentioned that he was buried there. That was back in the fifties when they were building it. So they did it. uh I think they then tried, I think, to do some kind of DNA match, but nothing resulted. They did not get, like, a match resulting, but it might have been before the remains were not properly cared for back in the 50s. That was before anybody had even ever heard of DNA. So, uh, you know, and I don't know what kind of uh, DNA they were able to get from, like, anybody in Judge Crater's family to even make a proper uh a
0: match and so the the police you know they they try to run down whatever leads they can and, and it looks like maybe they they even had a plan to to dig up a s- couple certain areas I mean they they made some plans and you know never really amounted to anything
1: yeah no they never really uh, went uh, you know forward with that I mean like I said they had the remains they had the remains. I don't even know if they kept those remains from the 50s so uh, but they had already had some. Uh, but they they did they did not dig they did not re-dig they did not re it, and, and I, I really can't tell you the reason why they didn't i or go forward
0: with that. So so then here we have it, a, a mystery that's sort of still a mystery. And I mean, who knows what's down there be- beneath uh, beneath that that aquarium?
1: Yes, yeah, that's true. And, uh, so, but like I said, you know, these, the thing is, they did find bodies before, so. if there there was like any chance of uh being a connection to judge crater it might have been in those initial bodies found but they weren't properly uh cared for or you know uh, investigated at the time
0: i guess you know new york city so many layers of history you start digging up anywhere in new york city you never know what the hell you're going to find
1: yeah 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 you just go down about uh 10 20 feet probably on any block uh throughout new york and you might find something
0: Larry, um, anything else you wanted to say? I mean, this was uh, this was great. um, You know, uh, you're you're super knowledgeable on the case. But anything else you wanted to say about it?
1: No, it's just uh, you know, it's real. You know, old New York history. You know, people today wouldn't even. You'd have to research. I guess now they would Google it, and then they would find a a lot of uh, history. But like I said, New York is so full of history. People don't realize like what went on back then in the in the '20s. You know, people talk about corruption today, and This is like nothing compared to how business ran back then. Uh, They would really get a real uh, education if they wanted to, looking back then.
0: The case, of course, remains unsolved. Literally one of the oldest cold cases in the city of New York. I want to make one final note here. This story actually was brought to our attention by a person who'd listened to one of our podcasts. This person sent me a message on my Facebook page, which is at Dan Bowens TV on Facebook. And I was very appreciative because she'd listened to the podcast and she had a very close relationship with this story. She was actually the granddaughter of the woman who had that letter. And so it's this kind of feedback that we really appreciate here at the tape room. Someone who listened, who knew that we would take a closer look and offered us some insight into a case that they were familiar with. And so for everyone else who has reached out to us, we hear you. We're working on some of these other cases, and we hope to bring more of them to you very soon. The Tape Room is part of the Fox 5 Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dan Bowens. This episode was recorded, edited, and mixed by Matt Onimus, our executive producers are myself, Matt Animus and Ahmad Asgar. Byron Harmon is vice president of Fox 5 News, and Lou Leone is vice president and general manager. If you have any information regarding this crime, you are encouraged to call Crime Stoppers, 1-800-577-TIPS, 1-800-577-TIPS. Stay tuned for the next episode of The Tape Room.